This is the Triad Podcast Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for downloading this episode right here on the Triad Podcast Network. It is, I think this might be our first ever crossover episode where we are bringing in uh, multiple content providers on the same show because there's a, there's a, there's some news out there that we want to dive into, and it affects a couple different fronts. So introducing first our real estate expert, one of our presenting sponsors of the network, Blake Ginther from the Ginther Group Real Estate here in Winston-Salem, and Jennifer Johnson with Three Magnolias Financial Advisors, also in Winston-Salem, two terrific local businesses and two great experts on, on the topics that we're going to jump into together. So uh, hello to each of you. And what brought us together was... There was um, a call out. Kind of, it was a survey that was developed into an article and a podcast through NPR, and I think uh, it was mentioned in Bloomberg as well. But there's a lot of conversation and narrative around as we are quote unquote post pandemic that mm-hmm. buyers in real estate are starting to have remorse. And that was the theme of some of the things that have been written about. And so we're here to talk about the financial side of it and the real estate side of it with each of you. So um, let's begin. Uh, Jennifer, you're the one who first brought this story to, to my attention. Sure. So let me start with you and then go to Blake. I just maybe just provide some color and some of um, why this was interesting to you when you first read about some of the, the trends and or at least people that are putting voice to, to something like this. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think um, just, just from hearing people talk and people share their personal stories. We've all known, even if I haven't bought a a property recently, but you know, the real estate's been real challenging lately, right? It's been very competitive. And um, I'm sometimes brought in on that from just planning for the financial aspect of that, because it is a major purchase for that most people make. And and obviously you want to, you want to make sure you're making good decisions around that because it affects your your other goals that we tend to focus maybe a little more on like your retirement savings or your college planning, but, but it's a big piece of that. And, you know, how to handle the debt that you might take on. I think it was over the weekend, maybe that I just happened to see uh, an NPR. I think it was a social media post, even that a pretty high percentage of millennials in this case was what I think they had focused on uh, regretted their, their pandemic um, house purchase. Um, so, so I looked into that a little bit, read um, the NPR article. I don't know the Bloomberg article, but Blake, I think has read that. Um, so you could speak to that better, but I read a little bit and, and a lot of what I read had to do with major repairs that people were not prepared for. But I think there's, there's a lot of reasons sometimes people you know, make a big decision maybe rushed, maybe, you know, maybe not um, exuberant uh, purchase, and then later regret it. And um, I thought it might be interesting to get a real estate expert's input on what they see happening and how these transactions actually go down and and see what they advise people. Because obviously, I think we both want people to, to make a good decision there and one that they're, you know, they're ultimately happy about. Um, yeah. So Blake, and you've you've read, I think, some of the same articles. You were yep. well aware of them. Yes. Um, so uh, so so you were agreed to be on here and, and provide your voice, which I'm real grateful for. Well, thank you, thank you for allowing me to hop on and kind of do a, a crossover, the Triad's first podcast, uh, first crossover. And and 
I think it is interesting. I think that I just want to say that I've bought um, at this point, I've bought almost two handfuls of properties and every single time, every single time I had buyer remorse. So I want to start <laughs> off by saying at some point in the process, I questioned whether I should be buying the home. That's I usually make yeah. a joke to buyers that it's a, a lot like getting married. Um, <laughs> uh, I hope so, you haven't done that two dozen times. It's like, no, no, no. That's over. for now. We're one uh, as long as my wife will keep, <laughs> keep me. And, and it's, you know, I, I think it's totally normal. I think what's the challenge now is, and why are people having remorse after? And it's usually in the middle of the deal, right? Usually by the time they close, okay. they've gotten past remorse. And I think what it is, um, is a little bit of, first off, they think that they're buying in a peak and that they'll never get their value again, right? There's a, mm -hmm. there's a little bit of that, um, okay. which is historically, you know, not a reality, right? I mean, real estate has over the last century done nothing but go up. Does that mean it's gone up at every second at all times? Of course not, right? It, it dips and then it rises back to above where it was and then it dips and it rises back and most folks, I think, just kind of look at it like a straight line that is that goes up and goes down, but ultimately it's 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 flat. And that's that's just not real real estate. The second the second thing is they're spending um, a lot of cash more than ever. That's that's partly when I yeah. I use this reason to say we're never going to be back in '08 because '08 was a lending uh, forced. Recession. I think that's a really good point. I mean, that was really loosey-goosey lending practices, loaning money to people that really were not qualified with under the pretense that that property would continue to, to rise at a really high um, growth rate, right? Like not even above your historical averages. And so I, I, I was an advisor during 08 and re recall that. And, and I will say, you know, people going through the lending process now, I agree with that, Blake, that... Um, you know, they're they're under a lot more scrutiny today. I mean, they're having wow. to come to me and say, you know, we need all these statements. We need mm -hmm. I've had to, you know, testify, I guess, to the mortgage you know, broker that this person's worthy in a way that we did not have to do in, in 08. So I do agree with that completely. And so, I mean, the good and the bad, there's flip side of that. The flip side is so it's a, a bit painful. <laughs> It is a bit yeah, painful true. to get a loan. Take, you're going to give blood a little bit. And it, it, you know, the, the flip side of that is that is very important to the sound, right, to the sound of our, uh, the sound real estate market and economy mm -hmm. in that world. Um, now, that being said, one of the things we talked about right before Adam hit record was talking about commitment monies. And folks are having to put yeah. down a lot. I mean, five it used to be right before the pandemic. I'd say the average due diligence fee was you know a thousand ish, fifteen hundred ish. The mm -hmm. average due diligence fee now is between somewhere between five and ten thousand um, dollars. So tell Blake, tell people what a due diligence fee is, because I bet there's people out there that don't know. Yeah, well, and if 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 they haven't bought in the last decade, um, then they definitely wouldn't know because it, it came about. Yeah, about, I don't think I paid it. Yeah, I mean, like we we bought our house in two thousand one which is really hard to believe that's that long ago, but I don't remember that. We had earnest money at that yes, point. Yes, it was earnest. We had earnest yep, money. That was it. And now, so we went there because of, ironically, what we were just talking about in 08. People were terminating contracts at the 11th hour and getting all uh, their earnest money back. And sellers right. had paid, paid tens of thousands of dollars 
and they had to give back the commitment monies they thought were going to be their uh, retribution. So, mm-hmm. so due diligence came about to protect the sellers from just losing everything and the buyer getting everything gotcha. back. So it, gotcha. it came about in a, a, a clear, good way. And, and it was intended mm-hmm. to be fair market. Well, the right. fair market has driven due diligence up to, you know, you might think here in the triad, five to $10,000 is a lot of money, but in the triangle and Charlotte, I mean, you can't get a house for less than 50. Oh my. 50 and so what a- happens if I, I, I put it in an offer for your home and I, and I put up $50,000 of com- in due diligence money. What immediate happens? commitment monies. And if they don't, yeah, what happens is if they don't buy the home, they lose that $50,000, right? Okay. The buyer, buyer is, and so they don't, right? They're buying the home. They're essentially saying, I'm buying your home. And you're buying the home. Now, and tell me, just to make sure I follow it too, let's say there's 10 of us competing for this property. Does everybody put up 50000 or does it, you know, you agree to put up 50000 like that? And then if, if I back out, I'm out the fifty thousand, but if I don't get the offer, that's right. Do then, I still have to pay. Yeah, no, I have then to pay, you, right? you never okay. have to pay it. Only the winning offer puts that due diligence, writes that check to the okay. sellers. And Good. and okay. and you know, in in, a, in the triad, you might have. Let's just say, I mean, the median home is you know, it's funny. Before the pandemic, it was right around two, and now it's right around three. Um, it's two seventy five to eighty. So. Let's just okay. go with that price point in the tri- triad. Um, that's going to probably bring a $7,500 to $10,000 due diligence. Um, okay. Let's just say there's 10 offers. I would say the lowest due diligence will probably be a couple thousand dollars, $2,500, $3,000. And there will be somebody who's willing to put $20,000, $30,000 due diligence down. Mm, okay. And if their price is even close to the top, Right. Let's say at two seventy. Let's keep to two seventy five. The winning bids are going to range from two ninety to three twenty okay. on a two seventy five home. And okay. so that that twenty five thousand dollar due diligence is on a on a two hundred seventy five thousand dollar house. They probably bid three hundred five. And let's just okay. say they're not the highest. The highest was three ten, and they only did ten thousand due diligence. What will end up happening is the seller will go to the 305 and potentially say, Hey, you know, it's yours if you'll do 310. And in our current market, that's what they're doing. And how that relates back to why we're talking is that's kind of also lending itself to the buyer remorse. Because what was the number they said they wanted to pay for the house? 305. Mm. They ended up paying 310 because if they didn't, they wouldn't have had it. Right. And I think what's hard too, Blake, is they looked at the house that was priced at 275 in this example, right? Yes. And so it's hard, I think, to say, well, I got it at 310 and feel good about do you do you know what I'm saying? Like how Absolutely. do you how do you feel good about it? I mean, but I mean the market is what it is. If you want the house, that's what you've got to do, right? And you're putting a lot of cash into it. Like, are you immediately underwater in that home or do you think it's a really a Three hundred ten thousand dollar home that was mispriced at two seventy five. Does that make that, sense? What I'm saying? Uh, well, I just think the market is the market going. So last year the market went up in the triad, and across the country it went up sixteen percent, or actually a little under. It's closer to fifteen percent last year. Okay. Across the country in the triad it went up eighteen percent. Okay. You know, and and okay. for those of you that haven't bought in a while, right? The, the 
the average in the triad had been about two and a half percent equity increase a year. So we went from averaging cons pretty consistently for a couple of decades, two and a half, three percent to, you know, 2020, it was um, what it was 10 or 11 percent. 2021 was uh, in the triad was about 17 percent. So far, okay. we're, we're on pace for another double digit equity increase year in 2020. OK, so if okay. you bought a home last year, um, most likely a lot what we're talking about if you had bought a home last year, 275, the winning bid probably would have been closer to 300. This year, it's okay. over. Um, okay. And, and I think that eventually, at some point in time, back to the, the graph behind me, the market's going to soften and somebody um, potentially could be underwater for a year or two. But that would, what would, I don't believe that's anywhere mm -hmm. close to the reality now because we're still at less than two weeks inventory. And inventory is what Adam and I talk about a bunch on the housing and, you know, every inventory drives real estate and two weeks, we want it to be around three months. A, a healthy, a healthy real estate world lives three to four months inventory. And, and, it, and we're measuring it in weeks. We have been the last 18 months. And, and that's why it's so painful. We talked about this before, Blake, in, in terms of, you know, being underwater or not underwater in the short term maybe somebody doesn't have positive equity in their home for, for a couple of years, but buyers now, the, the price of real estate, the, the value of real estate is something that is going to appreciate. It's going to continue to appreciate over 5, 10, 15 years. So people are going to, whether they feel like they overpaid at the beginning or not, um, it's going, they're going to start developing positive equity in the long term, correct? Well, absolutely. And hard assets are what everybody should buy. If we all believe that we're going to have a recession and we frankly need one. So if we all believe we're going to have a recession of some sort, again, throughout the last four recessions, housing industry has maintained or gone up. So, so people think recession, they think, you know, my house's value immediately is going to be worth less. That's probably not the truth, frankly. Yeah, not necessarily for certain. Yeah. 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 So is it the... So in terms of thinking through that purchase, I mean, or if it is at the time to buy, because what I have conversations with some folks around is, you know, the rental costs are also up, right? So, you know, you've got somebody maybe moving into this area or moving to a different area. Maybe they're, they're moving for a job or something. They're going to leave. And we'll, they'll talk to me about, you know, Jennifer, do you think I should just rent something? For the time being, or do it, should I get involved in this very competitive, you know, bidding over asking with all kinds of due diligence money, you know, that has to be put down. And I think that's a hard trade-off for, for folks. And so the way that I have talked to folks in the past is, well, how long do you plan to be there? Right. I mean, so, um, you know, if it's something where, you know, we're not sure we might be here less than a year. That's kind of tough, right? I mean, to make that if, if you're not going to keep that property. I mean, if you're, but I think to, to what Adam was saying is if you're, you're in an area where you're going to stay and you're, you know, you're going to keep this property long term, I mean, you would expect that to appreciate over time and be like kind of less concerned about you know, what might be a six month softening, you know, of the, is that, is that how you talk to folks about it as well? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yes. I would throw one added caveat in there and that it's been, this is ironic, right? Cause, cause being a financial advisor, um, you're going to like what I tell folks, which is 
Okay. Now, current market, even with these, you know, high rates of 4%, right? They, <laughs> they, um, they should save their cash, right? They should, um, folks who come, who have borrow more. Yes. Mm. Folks who have a financial, because really the, the long and short, the, the real question is not necessarily how long you're going to stay there. I think that's what I used to say. And I think that's what a lot of folks still think of. The real mm. question is how long are you going to be okay without that cash? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and, and by the way, with today's world, they don't and shouldn't put down more than five or 10%. And everyone goes, well, I don't want okay. PMI. Well, you don't have to have PMI. That's the beautiful okay. thing. Uh, you know, as bad as the, as, you know, the fact that you have to give blood and as painful as that lending process <laughs> is, here's the good news. The products okay. are better. So you can okay. get a 95% loan with no PMI. Okay. And, okay. and they can borrow a lot less. And, and most of the folks who are going to come to you are probably financially, you know, I mean, they're, gonna, they're financially intelligent and they're probably a little bit by nature, therefore conservative. So they're going to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to put more down um, because that's what my parents said I should do. Sure. Yeah, sure. Or just I want to borrow less Maybe instinctively, you know, want to limit debt. Um, yep. And I think you're, you're right, you know, at a 4%. Mortgage rate, you certainly would expect, we would expect our investments to earn more than that in most cases over time, right? So Whoa. if you can leverage that, um, five times that's that good to year. know. Yeah, it's good to know about the, the PMI. So, so, so maybe, and why is that now? Is that because the, the lending process is more stringent or they're putting more due diligence into it? Um, both. Yeah, that's probably going to take us down the path of the hard, the, where I struggled with the um, Bloomberg article and, and just the realities of home ownership is a key element of wealth building. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's, it has been across the world. Um, it's, it's in trouble. I mean, it's going to get harder for folks to buy um, because of the natural, the national conglomerate and inter- international companies buying houses at a high clip under 350 um, mm-hmm. and because of the wealth, um, you know, I mean, frankly, why we're going to go into a forced recession because of the wealth divide. So um, anybody, the right answer to when should I buy is going to be yesterday for the rest of my life. Mm, and that's because the supply is being consumed by uh, conglomerate buyers, particularly these, this, the lower at the lower price point where most median income families yes. need to be. Yeah, mm, that's depressing. So, I mean, it takes it to a dark avenue. And that's why I'm going to say yeah. that's why I, I never write people who write these articles, but I wrote the NPR guy to say, uh, not the NPR guy, the Bloomberg guy to say that was irresponsible because it scares off millennials from wanting to buy. And that's mm-hmm. the opposite of what they should do. If millennials wait to purchase, they're not going to like what they find in a couple of years. Hmm. Yeah. So but you feel like, like there's no reason to wait, right? I mean, that, that, that you know, if, if you can qualify, that even though we're seeing people, and, and I should say the remorse that, that I read about, at least in the NPR article, had more to do with what right. I would call the realities of owning a home, right? Yep. So, you, yes. so we bought something, and 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 I deal with this as a homeowner too. And I know Adam, you do. We've talked about it before on our podcast. You know, is how 
you know, how to be prepared for that all of a sudden big expense and know how to make good decisions around that and know that they come. And so, so that's what I read as far as a remorse and, and that's what, what I I think. So, so it sounds like it's not necessarily a, a market event where you're buying it at a terrible time, but there's still, I think some things people should think about uh, before they make that purchase, just around those things around, you know, not overextending oneself when it comes to that payment. Um, and cash versus their income. Yeah. How much cash to put into it? Maybe don't be put, prepared. I think a lot of the irony is a lot of those folks who are, are who, who they force themselves to be cash poor, but whether they wanted a certain payment or whether they just felt like principal, they're going to put 20% down. I've had this happen with clients. Don't put down that 10%, put down that 5%. I know the payment might be a hundred bucks more than you want, but wouldn't you rather have the $30,000 in reserves for the occasional whoopsie-doo? And one other sure. thing, get a home inspection. You know, just because you're buying the home as is, doesn't mm-hmm. mean you shouldn't spend five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars to get a home, the home. I just bought an investment property as is, uh-huh. put a bunch of money down guaranteeing that I was buying this home and okay. I still got it inspected. So the old adage of I got a home inspection because I wanted to know if there was like something under the hood there. And so I could back out of the deal if I wanted. So people don't do that so much now for home. And that's not the motivator. Right. right. But but so so, so I, I like that idea of doing the home inspection so that I would know, you know, hey, going into this yep. this home purchase, you know, hey, yeah. Mr. And Mrs. Homebuyer, it's a 20 year roof. It's 17 years old. So, so you I got to start prepared. saving. Yeah. So, yeah, so you know, I got to so start that saving. Might be, yeah. Like to your point, Blake is like, okay, you're not going to pay PMI anyway. Right. So put that money aside, you know, maybe let Jennifer three Magnolias just hypothetically, you know, the best that's, advisor in town. That's well, like that's well done. Your that's money. well done. <laughs> <laughs> Always be closing. Right? Always. So, uh, uh, so let her invest that money, you know, and maybe you'll you'll make a return. And so when you need that that roof, you know, replaced, you'll have access to that liquidity. So it sounds like is that how you talk to folks? That about is absolutely that? Like, how I tell folks, and and I. I am a financial advisor uh, advocate, right? I definitely, and I feel like I just made a video yesterday on social media about how I, you know, I didn't like Monopoly as a child and now I play it as an adult because I do <laughs> think real estate is a version of that. And I'm, I've, I've advised folks last year, I told everybody who has all this equity, cash out refi, like don't go underwater, cash out refi and open up some 401ks if you haven't done enough of that recently, right? And, 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 stash right stash put away your acorns that's why you bought real estate yeah i i thought it was interesting you know i that was my takeaway what what you mentioned jennifer which is the remorse that i was reading about in the npr story was mostly about a lot of it revolved around just things about the realities of owning a home right because i think if you were to ask the same questions 20 years ago and you were asking to first-time home buyers, which most millennials are going to be first-time home buyers, right? It was sure. the, oh my goodness, I had to spend $5,000 to fix the HVAC system, or I had to buy a new roof or things like that. The things that are just come with the territory 
of owning a home. Right. But what I was reading about is people were taking unnecessary, some people were taking, maybe they were necessary, maybe not, but they were taking big risks or not really thinking a lot in the pre-planning stage about what right. this lifestyle was going to be like, or the things that we might have to sacrifice if we were owning a home. So this wasn't a now is not the time to buy. That's an irresponsible headline and and, and narrative. That was Bloomberg. It, yeah. This this is just more of a whether it's now or 20 years ago, 20 years from now, these are just the things you should know before you own a home. Like I don't think there was much difference in what they were saying in this in these stories than what people should know all along. Yeah, I agree with that, at least from the NPR that the the information I saw uh, from them. I get, uh, one thing too, I'm curious if you have thoughts on this, Blake, it seems like it's so competitive to your point about the inventory being so low. Is that, do people feel rushed, you think, in oh, making yeah. these decisions? Like, do they feel like, gosh, I got to get on, you know, if I don't jump on this and offer, you know, as we said earlier about asking price versus what you actually pay for it. You so know, I, think- I wonder if that's part of it. And I'm going to I'm going to plug I'm going to plug you in your industry again. Have there are there more financial advisors now than there were three years ago? Do you feel? I, I don't know if there. I think there are, but I don't know if don't there are. That. So in my industry, I feel, it. and there are. My industry has probably grown sixty percent. There's two more many, realtors. Oh, good there's lord! A yes, lot of realtors. there's a realtor on every corner. There's always felt that, okay. way, but it's a fact now. I mean, we're like on every corner, and okay. and I do think that um, it's never, unfortunately, it's never been more important to have these upfront conversations. I mean, get good advice. Absolutely, get a realtor ex- that knows what they're doing. Expectation setting is kind of our number one job, right? If and mm-hmm. and so if you're not talking to somebody who knows what they're doing um, or, or is maybe just not wa- willing to have those, these kind of slightly challenging, awkward, hard conversations, then <laughs> then the market's going to tell them and they're not going to like it. And uh, they're going to lose the, the last three or four months. We've gotten a lot of folks who essentially left their friends or family uh, agents um, after losing a lot because mm. it, it's hard. And, and it's, it, you really need to have these, you kind of need to jump in to the deep end and have the hard conversation or else the buyers will lose a bunch uh, and get fed up. Is that because of the due diligence money they're putting down and then the having to walk away later? It's commitment monies that they're unwilling to put down. And, and, and candidly, that's where we just say, I get it. And, and you're, in our current market, unless you're willing to go rural, and I mean- yeah really rural. Okay. You're, you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to win in our market. Yeah. And that, that's a tough conversation. Folks go, well, I'll, I'll try. And well, I still want to try. And we go, you're okay. And we'll write a couple, but after a couple, we go, look, uh, you know, do you believe us now? <laughs> and, and typically mm-hmm. they say yes. Um, mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I think sometimes it's like in any industry, you know, we just have to go uh, if how many, you know, after a couple of times of writing it, if we just have to be truthful and say, now do you believe us? And if they say yes, but I still want to write these offers, that's when we go, I don't think we're the right agent for you. Right. It, it's, it's really exhausting on everybody and, and mentally taxing to just keep losing. 
to keep and by losing, you don't necessarily mean losing money. You just mean losing, losing deals, Correct. right? Losing out on, okay. on houses that yeah. people, you know, I mean, our, our industry is very emotional. It, um, uh, and mm-hmm. I, on one hand, I dislike it. On the other hand, it's job security. So sure. Sure. Yeah, I can see that because you, you see a house, you get excited and then you want it. So you put an offer in and then you have to call me and say, well, Jennifer, because you, you aren't willing to put that due diligence money down, somebody else got it. And if we have to do that over and over and over again, you get tired of delivering that news. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I don't ever want to. Um, no, nobody wants to be fired. I don't want to get fired and I don't want to have to fire somebody. But at the same time, if I've been up front from the get go, um, sure. you know, and, and I don't take I don't think anybody expects trust is earned. Right. Just like in your industry, it's earned. So mm-hmm. folks might go, you know, Jennifer, I hear you, but I let's just see. And you go, OK. And then sure. after they sure. see if they still don't trust you, well, then you have a problem. And it's probably not a good fit. Right. I mean, I think that that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so you think just other realtors that aren't as experienced as you aren't having those, aren't guiding people. And and, and do you think if you, if you don't have the commitment money, as you say, I mean, is there just no reason to, to be buying, trying to buy right now you, in our area? You can absolutely buy with, with a couple thousand, um, with, with, I'd say two to 3,000, but you're going to Surrey, Stokes, Yadkin, mm-hmm. you're going to the rural counties. Um, and this yeah, is true across yeah. the country. You can you can still buy today. You just might have to yeah. go a little more rural. Right, right, right. Yeah. And frankly, if you don't have a couple thousand to put into something, I'm not sure it's wise. I mean, I think that's where, where some of those articles that we read where people yes. you know, ended up putting a lot of cash into deals and then really not having cash for things that might come up. Um, just the realities of owning a home. I think that's where a lot of the, the disappointment you know, came in, but I, I, I do wonder if it's, you know, getting in these bidding wars of coming over asking price creates kind of a psychological feeling of I've overpaid for this property. I think that, don't you think that's probably part of what's in people's yes. minds? Yeah. Especially if they it. weren't told, especially if they weren't told right away that 110% of list prices are, is our norm. And if you go, well, to- let me, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, if you go to Triangle or Charlotte, it's 120, 125%, 130%. So are you overpaying or is that just where the fair market is? And and last thing, right. Rentals, right. rentals, rentals go up in a recession. So folks, folks who are thinking, oh, I'll just rent it. I'll write out the rent. Okay. But you're going to probably be paying. Right. So, so is it that the prices are going up so quickly that when I listed my pride, my home for 250000 by the time somebody bids on it, it's really worth $275,000. It's really a two seventy five home. Or, or are people just pricing it under what it's really worth? It just seems strange to me that you would price something knowing that the bids are going to be higher than that. So I think it's twofold. I think that um, it's a wee bit of... of inaccurate data pulling <laughs> by some agents. Okay. Um, okay. I, also, okay. I also think that if we're talking about realistically, and we are, I mean, we're talking about uh, almost 40% equity increase in a two-year period. So yeah, that's a lot. That's a, yeah. I mean, when, when, when it, in history, it would have been six total three and three, right. It would have been six ish in our market. 
So, Mm -hmm. um, or even less, frankly, um, prior to the, to, to 18 or so. So really, I think when you look at that equity increase, everyone goes, well, I I don't want to pay that. I'm breaking a record. Okay. This just in the homes that sell in your neighborhood are going to be breaking records for the foreseeable future. Right? So you're pricing in, in the rearview mirror, but the windshield is going up and that's, Mm -hmm. what's really hard. I think and, but I, and you will see every now and then we're starting to see some price drops because people. That's what I was going to ask. Do you see prices leveling off in here, especially as interest rates start to increase or, or, or is just the supply so low and, and those conglomerate buyers so prominent that that just doesn't happen? I think in certain pockets of the country, absolutely pricing is already starting to level off in certain okay. pockets, especially in okay. Canada. Um, I think it will. In but no parts. one lives. No one lives there. That's <laughs> why they're level. The, the two hundred seats. Yeah, I'm kidding. no offense always... to any Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have any listeners in Canada? I mean, I you guess know, I need. Tr- I guess I need to check the stats on that. <laughs> we just <laughs> defended our Canadian listeners, but yeah, you look, yeah. it's it is going to happen. I'm sure there's pockets of in the country in in America where that's happening too. Uh, we okay. are in the Sun Belt, right? America, not us. Not us. <laughs> Americans are moving to the South, specifically oh, no. the Southeast at a high mm. clip for mm. cost of living purposes. So good news for your, um, Jennifer, your company name again? Three Magnolias. Good news for Three Magnolias because yeah. wealth is moving here, right? The yeah, uh, California and, and, and New Northeast always has, but California, especially in the Northwest of, of Oregon and, and Seattle, we've had a ton, ton of folks. And that's just going to continue. So I, I do think that it's it's not going to really that coming. Yeah, and our prices are so much lower, right, than California. They think it's a deal, even if it's one hundred and thirty percent of asking, right? Is that for what you sure? Think? The ten bids yeah. that I gave you, um, if a Californian was in there, then they would have bid three thirty and and put sixty k down because they can't. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's exactly. Wow. That's a, I don't know if I'm allowed to share this information, Blake. But now that the transi- <laughs> now that the transaction is closed, but that's exactly what happened with the home that we sold with you guys. It was someone yeah. from California, and mm. they couldn't put get up, over how they, cheap it was. They put up eighty thousand dollars of due diligence. For oh home. my lord! Wow. Mm-hmm. And that was before wow. Adam. That was before the market, can, you know, really went bananas. Correct. The market was on its way to going high. Correct. Right. But that was before it, it really has, con, you know, continued. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are we not building homes either, Blake? Or are we just like not with supply issues and stuff? I mean, you see, you see inventory increasing. That is the real crux of the real estate conversation. We mm-hmm. haven't been building homes at enough clip. So we like to see a million plus homes built in our country every year. We, right. We did about half that from 08 to about last year. Last year, 2021, was the mm. first year since 07 where we hit a million or more. To keep up okay. with our population, we need a million plus homes. So when you think of that, we, we're literally like more than a decade. I think we're about 14 years underserved. And this is what I said to the Bloomberg guy because he was talking about inventory p- picking up. I went, man just use facts, use data. We are 14 years behind. We're almost 4 million homes behind. You don't pick that up. Last year, we did 1.4 million new construction. Woohoo! Congratulations. We did 400,000 over the designed million. 
Now we could just keep doing that for another, what, 14 years and we'll get caught up. Mm, I mean, that's I a long time. That's a terribly long time. I think, especially with the supply chain issues that, yes. that builders are having, I've got another client who's a, a builder does custom homes and I know they were lamenting, you know, how difficult it is because, you know, people want particular cabinet and, you know, they think it'll be in a, at a certain time frame, but it's totally out of their control, unfortunately. It's going to take two, two times longer than, than any job, right? A home that was six months takes a year. Mm-hmm. A home mm-hmm. that was nine months takes a year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. and, and therefore, time is money. It costs more. Uh, yeah, between labor and product shortage. Um, and this is why the government really does want to make real estate prices soften. They're not being bad cops. They're just being realistic cops. They want, um, they want to soften this great divide that is happening. All right. Let me, uh, let me give each of you a final word on this topic. So we, we started this because we were talking about some stories that came out, one that we referenced from Bloomberg, one from NPR about millennials having buyer's remorse when purchasing a home and they are regretting their decision. So hopefully we've given enough context as to there's a lot more to the story than just that headline in terms of why people maybe do have buyer's remorse, but it's not something that should be should set off alarms for for folks right now interested in getting into the to the market. So um, but in terms of what you want people to take away from listening to this um, and our response to to those stories, um, I'll give each of you the final word. I'll, uh, Blake, I'll go to you first. Yeah, should, we should definitely finish uh, with Jennifer. I'll, I'll just say that, um, you know, from a real estate perspective, buying yesterday, right, h- hard assets of, of real estate, they are not going to bring you the returns that can get you. They're just not. Uh, they're not intended to. In the last couple of years, they've they have they've outpaced that, and that and and that's that's a little wonky, and that's why people the antennas are up, and that that won't maintain. But what will maintain, if you look over the last century and some, is that it will go up, just slower, right? This will get back to the three to five percent equity increase year over year, and it is still going to be. Uh, the greatest, you know, if not, if not number one, number two, buying yesterday um, will be my drum. Um, and and don't worry if we have a softening. And we're a long ways away in our market from a softening. But I welcome it. Everybody should welcome it. It'll go back up. <laughs> Very good. I liked what you said about homeownership being a key part of wealth. Because I do see that in most clients. Most clients own a home. I own a home. I think what I think of as, as someone who looks at the, somebody's overall financial picture is just to be thoughtful, you know, go into that with your eyes open, be prepared for not only what the payment will, will be and to make sure you can handle that and your monthly budget is not stretched or that you can't save for other goals, but also some of those things that we mentioned, you know, the, the budget busters, the, the new roof. The, the HVAC that breaks, the uh, rising taxes, and just to be prepared for that and make sure that works within your overall goals. Um, because for most people, you want to own a home. And, and, and I think that can certainly be an, another asset that people have that's part of their portfolio. Um, but usually people want other things as well. They want to educate their children. They want to, to one day retire. And, and all those things just need to fit together 
and and that's my sort of my role is in it, particularly since it's such a large financial decision, you want it to go well, and it's natural to have emotion around that. Uh, and and what I think is key is to to get really great advice, and um, I like to think I do that for folks here. And I'm sure Blake does that as well for, for his folks. And I just think that's really important to get folks that have certain expertise, have them work together to create the best financial outcome for folks. And, and if I can help people more with that, I'm, I'm glad to. Super interesting conversation. The, the best podcasts are the ones where I can just sit back and listen. Um, so I know, I, Adam, you may either want to do more of these or never do this again. This was great. Know. This we'll was great. I loved think. it. I thought I it was it. really fun. I thought I, it was I, too. I, I thank I thank both of you for for uh, agreeing to do this in this forum. Um, let's uh, tell the folks where they can find you, Blake. Where can they where can they find more information about the Ginther Group? They can find me at uh, theginthergroup.com. I had to do the ginthergroup.com because the company in Texas and uh, and and or 336-283-8689 283-8689 Jennifer Yeah, I'm 3 magnolias financial advisors.com so all spelled out 3 with like the number like the the word 3 I should say not the number 3 magnolias financial advisors.com I'm also here at, via phone at 336-701-1600 or jennifer at 3-magnolias.com Okay. Thank you both so much. Thanks, Adam. Securities offered through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satera Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. The market indices discussed are unmanaged. Additional risks are associated with international investing, such as currency fluctuations, political and economic stability, and differences in accounting standards. The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and not necessarily those of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Neither Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode on the Triad Podcast Network. Our mission is simple. Provide information, advice, and stories about the people and places that make the North Carolina Triad such a great place to be. You can find us by searching Triad Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever you like to listen. If you like what you heard and want to support the show and those that contribute, we would truly appreciate a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It helps spread the word along, as do your shares on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Triad Podcast. To get in touch with us, simply email info at triadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This is the Triad Podcast Network.